is Sunday, May the 16th. Welcome to the Cardi Show. I'm Brent Cardi. Glad to have you aboard. Big thank you to Mike Stubbs, Dave Glossard, and Brett Gard for uh, their time and assistance on last week's episode. And again, uh, my apologies due to the audio issues that we had. It is what it is, and uh, we will work on it and get better. That's all we can do. This program, great to have the voice of the, I cannot believe I'm saying this, the High A Central affiliate of the Oakland Athletics, not the Toronto Blue Jays, the Lansing Lugnuts play-by-play voice, future Michigan Baseball Hall of Famer, Mr. Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. Seven years ago, this August, of course, Jesse was the uh, the first guy to come on the podcast, and I enjoy reminding Jesse of that. Regardless, I want to take, also take the program to dedicate today's program. It's our day for the family. Um, three, three years ago today, uh, my grandmother, Patricia Skinner, passed away. So I want to remember her and uh, most recently the loss of uh, my other grandmother, Patricia Carty, uh, also. So I uh, want to make sure that uh, both of those ladies get recognized today. And uh, this one's for the family. Let's get into the last week in baseball. It's been a couple weeks, so we got a little bit of catching up to do, and uh, especially with the Jays. But first and foremost, great news that minor league baseball is back. That is huge. That is monumental for a multitude of reasons, especially for economies and players. It's big. However, I'm going to, t- to advise you if you want a recap of uh, the Blue Jays minor league system. Future Blue Jays, our buddy Doug Fox is doing a phenomenal job. He gives you an update. Subscribe to his blog, futurebluejays.com. And uh, he'll recap everything from AAA to uh, low A in Dunedin. And once, it, I don't know if, I, I still am trying to have a, wrap my head around this minor league realignment. I don't know if the Golf Coast League or the DSL stuff is going. However, I'm going to refer you there, and it's great to see that the Around the Nest podcast will continue with uh, host Tyler Zickel. Again, Jesse Goldberg-Strassler was the host for, Christ, seven years, eight years, nine years? And uh, obviously, Jesse moving on to the Oakland organization. Jesse can't host around the nest. So it's Tyler Zickel, the new voice of the Vancouver Canadians. So refer to those guys uh, for your minor league updates, and uh, they will fill you in a heck of a lot better than I can. we got a few minutes. So let's get going. Good, the bad, the ugly for the Jays. The good is they're over 500. The good is they're getting some solid hitting. Their defense is better. Bo Bichette has worked his behind off at shortstop. Bichette is... Still a bit touch and go at third base, but he's putting in the work, and I think by by midseason he'll be fine. And uh, I totally applaud Charlie Montoyo, Louis Rivera, and the Blue Jays management for standing behind those guys. And sometimes it's just too easy to make a positional change, right? If a guy is struggling, you sign him off, you do his thing. and But uh, they're standing pat, and especially with uh, Lord Escarrell Jr., who's been struggling with a stick... Last few games, he's been hitting the ball really hard. Excuse me, i got to get a sip of coffee here. So he's been hitting the ball really well. And the bullpen continues to be outstanding. And it doesn't matter who's in the bullpen. <laughs> this is the thing. You've had injuries to Julian Merriweather, Jordan Romano, Raphael Delis, and now Ryan Baraki. 
But you had Travis Bergen, you had AJ Cole, you had Jordan Romano last night, uh, Tyler Chatwood as well. Tyler Chatwood has been phenomenal. Uh, they, they continue, continue to hold the phone. And uh, I know a lot of people had their three stars uh, for last night's game, but one guy that should have been mentioned for last night's game is that he shut out the Phillies was uh, Reese McGuire. Reese McGuire went one for four, and he did a phenomenal job. Uh, working with the umpire to get those strikes, even though the umpire was a little bit hitting us, but that's all right. Good job for Reese, and that must feel really good considering uh, the last 12 to 14 months he's had to deal with, and all that stuff kind of goes away when you're a good teammate, when you're playing good baseball, and let's see how this works out. Could Danny Jansen be ousted? Could he be traded? I hope not, because I like Gianno. I like all three of those guys. I know Tugger, I mean Reese, excuse me, had some some issues. You know, I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't. I, I he did his time. He served his sentence, served whatever it was and whatnot. The bad, the Nate Pearson situation. Nate Pearson last weekend pitched a game in Houston, and he was not good at all. He missed the strike zone. He wasn't there. And the Blue Jays, instead of giving him the ball. Five days later, have sent him down to Trenton, uh, Buffalo, I'm putting in air quotes you can't see, to work on his stuff. However, now Pearson is missing another start due to injury. This guy gets injured uh, along the same lines as Aaron, as many times as Aaron Sanchez has been injured, as many times as Dustin McGowan has been injured. At some point, you have to think Nate is going to be a back-end bullpen piece. And I don't know if the Jays are ready to press that button just yet. They'll have to see. Especially with the work Manoa's done in AAA. Now everybody's clamoring for Manoa to come up. However, I want to see how he does when he faces these teams that he's uh, mowing down a second time. I want to know what adjustments they're, they're going to make to his stuff. And if they've made none, and I know the argument is, well, it's not the same guys... Uh, you know, a lot of them could get injured, could get called down, could get called up. Nah, but it's the same chunk for most of the year. So I want to know how those guys adjust to Manoa and how Manoa will adjust to them. And if he dominates then, then I say, okay, this guy gets it, this guy gets baseball, bring him up. Bring him up. And the injuries are the ugly part right now for the Jays. I mentioned every reliever that has been injured. I mentioned Pearson. A uh, position player was George Springer, right? And Alejandro Kirk, of course. Springer, I don't, I'm not too concerned about Springer, just the way the team is playing. They, their offense is good enough without him. It was good enough to get him into the playoffs. Again, I put that in air quotes because the playoffs were a little bit different last year. But with Grichik, Teoscar, and Lourdes, they're fine in the outfield. Rowdy, DHing, that's fine. Santiago Espinal, I'd like to see him in a few more games, but it's just not happening right now. So, there's that. Quickly, we got five minutes. The East, Nick Pavetta and Garrett Richards have been solid in Boston. Pavetta, the Victoria, BC native, 5-0, 3.16 earned run average. Garrett Richards has been solid as well. Uh, the uh, AL West, NL West transplant now pitching in the AL East, 3-2 with a 3.89 earned run average. And then Eduardo Rodriguez has somehow stayed healthy, 5-1 with a 4.15 ERA. Wait until Sale comes back. This is why the Red Sox 
uh, are in first place. I think the offense has been great, no doubt about it. But we have to keep an eye on the Yankees. If Severino becomes, comes back and he's healthy, and of course, you can't forget about the Rays. Don't forget about the Rays. In the Central, the Chai Sox are moving ahead. They're leading the AL Central. Carlos Rodon, he looks healthy, he looks good, and he looks like the real deal right now. He is locked in. Tim Anderson uh, batted 316 with a 350 on base. He's back, currently right now healthy. And as we speak, the Chai Sox are up at least one and a half games uh, on Cleveland. I did my research last night, so I imagine that could be more. But Cleveland continues to hang in there. Uh, with their one-two combo, Shane Bieber and Zach Plesac. Ahmed Rosario, MLB Central, did a nice job profiling him this past week. He continues to play very well. And you're getting some solid contribution from another Canadian guy, Josh Naylor. Currently batting 274, three homers, 10 ribbies. Kansas City, a team that I was talking about, you know, being a big deal. They're struggling since the last time we chatted. The Royals snapped an 11-game losing streak Friday night. And they're going to look to get on a roll this weekend. The A's, who we don't know if they are going to be the Oakland A's in a few years or not, still continue to play in that terrible ballpark and lead the West. However, the Astros are right on their doorstep. Kyle Tucker is becoming a real offensive threat. And does anybody get Carlos Delgado vibes when they talk about Jordan Alvarez and they watch him play? The Astros need to get timely pitching to go on a big run. Otani continues to kill it and lead the league in home runs for the Angels. Albert Pujols is no longer an Angel. He is now an L.A. Dodger. Thanks to the great season that Jared Walsh is continuing to have. The Angels, like everybody else, need good, solid pitching. Watch out for the Mariners. Jared Kelnick is up. He got his first home run the other night. And this guy looks like he's going to be a ball player. A good, competitive ball player. Watch out for the Mariners. Just don't sleep on them yet. The Mets have a small window in the NL East to try and run away with it. The Phillies are battling injuries, and the Braves can't seem to get going. The Nats look like they're running out of steam. I don't know whether it's COVID. I don't know whether it's 2020. But the Max Scherzer trade watch has to start. Now, I don't sleep on the Marlins just yet. Great to see my guy John Birdie batting fifth the other night against the D-backs. The cards are getting hot in the Central. The Brewers are struggling, and the rest of the Central looks to be going under 500. The Brewers and the Braves are playing this weekend. It could be a season-defining series for one of those two teams. The rest of the Central is, like I said, still going under 500. The Chris Bryant trade watch begins now. And in the West, finally, the Giants are still on top. How about that? I didn't think they would be this far. April is one thing, middle of May is another. The Dodgers and Padres are right there behind them. And I wonder how long Gabe Kapler and his guys can keep this up. However, just watching Kevin Gosman pitch, it's giving me Doc vibes. It's giving me Doc. I'm just saying. I know you think I'm nuts, and that's all right. Congrats to Madison Bumgarner on his no-hitter from a few weeks ago. The D-backs, unfortunately, are slipping. The Rockies are slipping. The question is, who gets traded first? Trevor Story, John Gray, or Madison Baumgartner. Who knows? That's it for Last Week in Baseball. Coming up on the Cardi Show, my buddy, my pal, Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. All right, my friend, Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, is back on the Cardi Show. Uh, it's great to see him, finally, and it's great to see that minor league baseball is back, baby. It is back. Jesse, welcome back. How are you? Brett, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm very happy that baseball is back as well, so I'm doing great. 
how are you feeling about the fact that minor league baseball is back? Because last time you and I chatted, we talked about uh, wrestling. We talked about AEW. We talked about having no crowds. And uh, yeah, as much as I love chatting to you, I, I really love chatting more to you about baseball. So how are you feeling about minor league baseball being back? I feel, I feel like I've missed it. I think that's the big key. Uh, this has been really nice having the time to spend with my wife and my baby. Right. Um, baseball is an important part of my life. It's my livelihood in terms of it's my job, but it's also been something that I've loved ever since I was very young. I've loved it before since I can remember. So just going to the ballpark, watching the games, being able to broadcast these games has just been terrific. It's been like tasting a familiar food that I've missed. And when I get that first bite in my mouth, I understand just how much I've always loved it. Uh, that's well said. Well said. Take me back to the season opener from a couple uh, weeks ago. What's going through your mind that day? And are you soaking in the experience uh, knowing that the season or the series could come to a halt at any time? Because, I mean, due to the pandemic, we can't take things so much for granted anymore, right? It's stressful because on opening day, it was very much about my media relations duties. So I was trying to figure out what's my next interview. Uh, it was waking up at five in the morning to get to the ballpark for a morning interview. And then throughout the morning, handling media relations, coordinating interviews that continued throughout the afternoon and all the way up until game time at 6.15, about half an hour before I go on the air. I've got my broadcast partner and media relations partner, Adam Jaxa, coordinating an interview with one television station with our manager, behind home plate while I'm coordinating an interview with the owner up the first baseline at the exact same time. And once both of those interviews finished, then it was time to go to the broadcast booth, meet up with Adam, take a deep breath, and then remember, okay, let's flip the switch from media relations to broadcasting. Just trying to figure out everything that I had forgotten that I needed to do from years past. For example, I need binoculars to call the game just to see who's warming up in the bullpen. I didn't bring binoculars to the broadcast, <laughs> so I probably went down and I retrieved them around about the fourth, fifth inning. That was that was all part of that first day, that opening day, is just making sure, what am I forgetting? What needs to happen next? So one of the interesting developments is the Lugnuts moved from a low-A team to a high-A uh, league, the Midwest League, I, and maybe you can explain this because you're a lot more uh, smarter than this than I am, but the Midwest League is now the high central league. Talk to us about the realignment process and how it affected the Lugnuts. I think a good way to explain it is to rid yourself of the concepts of all of those past leagues. Right. Major League Baseball in this drastic reorganization. Every single Major League team received one AAA, one AA, one high A, one low A farm club. All of those teams, it was important for them to be at least relatively geographically close to some sort of connection. And it became musical chairs with right. teams extending invites and trying to figure out who would be in, who would be out. And some of those decisions were still getting swapped all the way to the end. So, for example, Trenton, which had been the Yankees' very good relationship, double-A farm club, was now out and Somerset was in. For the Baltimore Orioles, I heard there was a huge debate about whether they would have Frederick or Bowie be their double-A affiliate. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, the big debate was, at the high-A level, who would it be? 
because the Blue Jays understood AAA was going to be Buffalo, AA was going to be New Hampshire. Although at one point there was the possibility for the Blue Jays to have Rochester as their AA as things were getting shifted all around. But if the Blue Jays had Buffalo and then New Hampshire and then Dunedin was sinking down to low A, then the question was who would be their high A team? Right. Well, it was either going to be Vancouver or Lansing. And they've got a great relationship with both of us. Well, in the end, they went with Vancouver and that left Lansing on the outside. And as musical chairs is stopping, the Oakland Athletics looking for a high A partner, they landed on us. So I'm glad that we still have an affiliation. I'm glad that we're in minor league baseball. So Did that, couple, sorry, uh, go ahead. You couple that with the high A central and all of these leagues as they're getting put together. It is comprised teams that used to be in the Midwest league. There were 16 teams in the Midwest league and there are 12 teams in the high a central. The, the reason for the league names, I would relate to major league baseball, having the AL East, AL West, AL central, NL East, NL West, NL central. So major league baseball thought we should do the same kind of league naming for the minor leagues, but I've been told that they're probably just going to change our league names in a year or so down the road. Nothing wrong with that. Were you surprised that uh, Toronto went with Vancouver as an affiliate? Again, I understand Vancouver is Canadian. I understand Rogers owns the radio station that has the Canadians' rights. However, geographically, Toronto is closer to Lansing. Lansing is closer to New Hampshire if you need to call a guy up. Did that surprise you? No, because I think the first few things that you said weigh heavily. Right. I was thinking early on in 2020, as the Blue Jays are trying to figure out who their affiliates would be, I was thinking then we're out because they're not going to decide against Vancouver. There's one Canadian minor league team and that Canadian team should stay within the Blue Jays organization. The Vancouver Canadians are very important minor league baseball team. So, no, it did not surprise me. So now you guys, as you mentioned, are with the Oakland Athletics. Have you noticed any big differences in more minor league philosophies between the J's and the A's? I have. The first thing is that our team right now is very pitching dominated and the hitters are struggling. Whereas with the Blue Jays affiliate year after year, we could always count on having an extraordinary offense and we would see who would step forward on the pitching side. True. Another difference is that we have exactly one player on the team who was drafted out of high school, that the team is very college dominated. We've right. got, have a couple of players from Cuba, a player from Colombia, a player from the Dominican Republic, a player from Japan. But by and large, it is a collegiate, older, senior sign team, um, highly mature team. And part of that is moving up to high A. But yes, it, it feels like a different collection of guys than it was with the Toronto Blue Jays. Have you noticed a difference? And I know it's very early in competitive play because I, I don't remember if it was you or somebody else that told me that the Florida State League was more of a pitcher's league. Do you think the high A Central East West will be a pitcher's league? I don't because of the ballparks. Right. One reason that the former Florida State League was a pitcher's league is the ballparks, that there are some really good pitcher's parks in, uh, I guess it would now be the low A Southeast. Right. Well, the former Midwest League, the high A Central. Lansing is a terrific hitter's park. 
spacious alleyways, short corners, great for singles, doubles, triples, and home runs. There are other parks in our league where the ball flies. It flies in Dayton. It flies in Lake County. There's only one specific park in West Michigan where it's so good to be a pitcher because everything dies there. Hit the ball in the air, it's likely going to get caught. So I would think that the park factors should help. That said, Brent, I think a lot of teams went into this year not knowing what to do with their composition of their teams. Right. So I think that some prospects, for example, the Oakland Athletics' Logan Davidson was drafted in the first round a couple of years ago. He was in short season A in 2019, and they pushed him up to double A this year. Wow. That is what I think that we have seen with a lot of prospects across organizations is let's just push them. Let's push them and see what happens. Uh, the low A team is teenage based and highly inexperienced. So depending upon the team, that shapes their experience. Uh, if you've got a team, as we do, we've got a ton of older pitchers. Right. Well, they should have the advantage against younger offenses. So that's what I think is shaping the stats right now. But the park factors make for very hitter friendly circumstances in the high A central. So one of the things that I think people, Blue Leafs fans are going to miss and is the interaction that they had with you because let's let's face it you interacted with everybody you had around the nest you were so easily approachable and accessible on twitter and a lot of people uh, made the drive down to lansing um to see the log nuts play from canada do you think that will affect the log nuts uh, the attendance wise when the world returns back to normal and how do you plan on building that kind of relationship with the athletics fan base like you did with the Jays fan base. I think that my relationship with the Jays fan base came slowly. And maybe it just was because I was new to social media when I sure. joined the Lugnuts in 2009 and I eased in, but around the nest started in 2012 and then it just kept on building. I don't want to knock the door down. I don't want to force my way in and start shouting at all the Oakland Athletics fans. As long as I'm doing my part and delivering our players great coverage, I think that the fans who care about the minor leaguers should be able to find them. And I'll try to figure out what they're looking for from me. But the Toronto Blue Jays fans, what a great connection. And to be a part of the Jays system at a time when I think if you go to that time period when I joined the Lugnuts, I don't feel like the system was very homegrown. Right. I don't feel like at the major league level we were seeing Every single year, new players coming into the major leagues right from the minor leagues and making an impact. Yeah. And then that changed. So that was that all worked out that you could go to Lansing, see a top prospect. And then a year, a couple of years, three years later, you could see that player in Toronto. Yeah, definitely uh, something cool for sure. It's uh, again, sitting here in London, Lansing's three hours away. Buffalo's two and a half hours away. New Hampshire is a little longer, right? So you can go out and you can do that. That's the beautiful thing. And uh, Vancouver, it's out there. It's great. It's just a little expensive to get out there sometimes. Um, Speaking of the pandemic, you are the master of the recreation game. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, So I have to believe that doing the games from the studio isn't really that big of an issue for you. How has it affected you guys so far this season? And do you think that could be something that happens? And I, I mean, you guys calling games from the studio. Do you think that happens going forward over the next couple of years? It's going to be reevaluated. I was told by my league's general managers 
if we're going to travel later on this year. But at the very least, we were told the first month of the season, no traveling on road trips. I hope right. that we travel. It's more fun. I get to actually watch the game in person. But yeah. I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, I'll do whatever they'd like. That said, sitting in the home press box in an empty stadium with Adam Jackson, my broadcast partner, and we've got our screens. I've got our canned crowd sound in the background. Two days ago, I tried pounding the glove into the mitt, cracking bats together to simulate what the game was. Sometimes I've eschewed that and just had the canned crowd sound and called the game with Adam. It's different. Yeah. I've got the MILB.TV on the monitor. I've got a Zoom all nine that is being sent to me by Dayton right to my computer screen. I've got a game day. Maybe my experience in recreating games has helped build me for this. It's very, yeah. it's, it's a, a mighty challenge, but as the game gets into it, I feel highly connected to the broadcast and everything that's going on and telling the story of what's happening each night. There's uh there's nobody better that does it. In my opinion, dude, I, I, I truly, truly believe that we had one at a baseball history conference a few weeks ago. And I was just like, Where's Jesse Goldberg Strassler? Where is he at right now? Um, not those, not the, those guys can do a great job. Speaking of the the Blue Jays Twitter, one of the big controversies to start the year was the fact that they decided to simulcast uh, the TV and radio product. What are your thoughts on that? And do you worry that other organizations could pick up this tactic going forward? I do. I might have a different perspective on this than a lot of people sure because i feel that if you're a broadcaster of baseball and understanding the history behind it we've always had an uphill climb to try to convince media outlets and teams that we are important i think that it's not difficult to convince fans listeners watchers that we are important i don't think it's difficult to convince players that we're important and all their family members who want to check out the game but you could go back to the 1930s and you would see major league teams saying, we don't want to have a broadcast or this will stop us from selling tickets. And in New York, the New York teams refused to have broadcasters for a while. All the while, Red Barber was coming up with the Cincinnati Reds before the Dodgers got convinced and hired Barber away. And I don't know how many minor league baseball teams there have been over the decades, even still, Minor league teams will just get rid of their broadcaster, don't let their broadcaster travel. This was pre-pandemic because they didn't see a value in that. So because of that, that's, I don't know, that's readied me for the reality that it's difficult as a broadcaster to have teams, people above, value what you bring. Right. And it makes it really good when you are valued the team, the ownership, the media outlet, whoever it is, says, we appreciate this. We want to have the very best that we can have. And I do think that the Blue Jays and Dan Schulman have one of the greatest broadcasters out there. Agreed. I think that it's asking a lot of him to simulcast, although I really appreciate the technique that he's using. It hurts me that Ben Wagner, whom I think is an excellent broadcaster, has been sidelined from calling the game. Likewise. That Mike lost his job. Yeah. Um, I feel that the broadcast is important and sacred and valued. And I feel like if you ask 
longtime fans of teams or even newer fans of teams, what helps strengthen their relationship between them and the team that they will mention the broadcaster? I agree. And uh, like you said, it does hurt to see Ben um, on the sidelines. It's good to see Mike bounce back, have a job at the Toronto Star and, Hopefully it is just for one year and we can play the optimism card. I just, I, I hope that Ben is back in the radio booth with somebody uh, next year, or even himself. Uh, that works for me as well. Uh, talk to us about this lug nuts team, my friend, who's exciting you on the offensive side. Who's exciting you on the mound? Well, we've got pitchers right now who are excelling pitchers are ahead of the hitters. Our opening day starter was a right-hander out of Georgia Southern named Seth Schumann. And the fascinating story was in high school, he played quarterback for the high school football team that leads the nation in wins. So the greatest high school football team in the United States, Valdosta High School, he's their starting QB. He goes to play quarterback at Georgia Southern. Oh, by the way, come baseball season, he's going to walk onto the team and be a pitcher. So he's taking part in spring football practice in the morning and then going to join the team at night. And he's such a good pitcher. Baseball coach convinces him, leave the football team. Here's a full scholarship. He becomes their top ace starter. He's our opening night starter. Seth Schumann's been great for us. We've got another couple of starters. Colin Palouse, a hard thrower from Wake Forest, has been outstanding. A second rounder, Jeff Criswell, made an appearance, went two innings. Impressive. He's now been sidelined with an injury. We'll see how he is. And then out of the bullpen, right-hander named Jack Weisenberger struck at eight of the first 10 batters that he faced. So the arms are great as well. uh, As far as the offense goes, we're waiting to see the priority bats come around. There's a young hitter named Jordan Diaz who started off the season slow. The sixth overall draft pick in 2017, Austin Beck uh, was sidelined for the first six games and he's starting off slow and a good catcher named Drew Millis. We'll see how he'll come around, but in college he was considered the best defensive catcher in the country. Our best hitter was the 2019 Ivy league player of the year. We've got four Ivy Leaguers in Cornell represented through William Simonite, Dartmouth represented through Michael Danielak, and Harvard through first baseman Pat McCall, and this player, Jake Suttleson, who's just been a blast to watch. Coming out of Harvard-Westlake, a great prep high school in California, went from Harvard-Westlake in Cali to Harvard on the East Coast, and now he's with us as an undrafted free agent, and he's been the most dynamite hitter. All of our games have been very low scoring in contrast to the Dunedin Blue Jays. And we'll see how things go from here. That's that's exciting. That's really exciting and uh, definitely something to watch. Um, Before I let you go, I I just want to thank you for everything you always do and everything you always bring and uh, keep up the great work. Keep up the great work and uh, we'll continue to have you on, man. Always appreciate it, Jesse. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. I'm following the Blue Jays organization. I'm following the whole system. Gabriel Moreno's strong start, Adam Klopfenstein and everybody. So I'm still locked in. Brent, thank you very much. Awesome. Jesse Goldberg Strassler. By the book, by the way, I have the copy downstairs. I was going to bring it up here. Uh, the Baseball Thesaurus by the good folks at August Publications. And uh, you can listen to Jesse and Adam Jacks at Kill It, uh, listening on MILB Radio. Jesse Goldberg Strassler. I'll be right back. All right, big thanks to the uh, legendary Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, future Michigan Baseball Hall of Famer, and always a great storyteller. Buy that book, The Baseball Thesaurus, uh, by the good folks of August Publications. Next week, we talk, uh, we're going to dive into more of the Major League 
baseball minor league realignment and how it affected my friend Zach Helton in Bluefield, uh, is it West Virginia? Maybe I should figure that out. <laughs> Big Z will be back on the podcast next week. Week after that, I'm debating. Okay, I might take a survey. I might take a survey. Pat Malcaro, the uh, longtime voice of the Buffalo Bisons, will join us. Alexis Brednicki, the longtime Canadian baseball writer, uh, writing for Baseball America. He used to be the statistician for the Toronto Blue Jays. She'll join us. Now, the question, the problem, it's not really a problem. Do I air both episodes on the same day, or do I have one person on May 30th, one person on June 7th, and have the baseball history night on June 14th? That's something we got to figure out. Something we got to figure out. Big thank you to Jesse Goldberg Strassler and Brent Carty. Until next week, bye bye. In another life. I could find you there Pull away before your time I can't deal, it's so unfair And it feels, and it feels like Nothing's so far away And it feels, yeah, it feels like